Generational suicide is a thing. Generational mental health is a thing. So I think it's really important to have the hard conversations and to diminish any stigmas that are around it so that more people do reach out, whether maybe it's not a therapist, it could be their pastor, it could be their friend, but they to find a resource that says, oh my God, I'm hurting and something's not right here. They're speakers, authors, and real life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. What's happening, peeps? It is the up? Rock. Um, mm-hmm. A little different episode today. We are uh, not our uh, normal sort of uh, trying to get you pumped up, trying to get you to believe uh, that you were meant for more, all those other sorts of things. Today, we're going to tackle something a little serious as it is the very tail end of October now, and October is uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And today we're going to talk about something a little more serious, right, Jim? Yeah. You know, I uh, had the pleasure of meeting somebody a couple of years ago here in town, uh, Heather Lee, who, you know, her whole background, she's had like 15 years of experience in publishing and another 10 working in the restaurant industry. Um, an award-winning writer, editor, photographer, classically trained chef, went to UCF, go mm-hmm. Knights. Um, and I met her because she was the editor uh, and, and now leads the editorial team at a local magazine. It's actually called The Local here in my hometown in Winter Garden. And I just loved what she was doing and what the magazine was doing. She's a content director for the the agency that owns The Local called M Agency. Um, and so I had lunch with her uh, ju- just to see how maybe I could support and maybe there could be some things that I could be involved in the magazine. And, and she was kind enough to feature me in one of those episodes. But the whole reason I even bring all that up is during that very first conversation she mentioned in 2019, she lost her husband to suicide. And, uh, you know, you and I have never had a conversation like that or that uh, that that tough to talk about out loud on the show. And we've been doing this almost five years now. And so for us to have a topic like how to deal with unexpected loss, which is what we decided to title this, because it's not just about suicide, but boy, her story um, was pretty impactful and and profound like yours in, in losing Theo. And so, you know, we thought this would be a really good opportunity, like you said, during this month, as we sort of wrap up Mental Health Awareness Month, to talk about this out loud. So, you know, there's still some laughs. We still have some fun, but I got to believe that there are people going through some things that are probably going to get something out of this. And all three of her thoughts were very interesting. (laughs) It was, it was a little counter. um, What, what I would say that, that you've dealt with some loss, but um, boy, there's, there's learnings on both sides. We had a great conversation. Listen, everyone has their own path uh, through grief and how we deal with it. Um, you know, I think we both want to say that not not only is this such an incredibly important issue to talk through, um, to bring awareness to, but we are right headed into the worst time of year for for many people, yeah. which is the holidays. Um, if you're struggling with loss, if you've lost someone recently, and this is your first, maybe it's your first Thanksgiving or your first Christmas or Hanukkah or or, or whatever tradition you follow, um, where 
you're not going to have that person uh, there. Um, it, it's, it's really, really difficult to deal with. We understand that we both understand that intimately. And it's something that, you know, we, we're going to put a bunch of resources, uh, in the show notes, uh, the national yeah. uh, suicide hotline. Um, if you are struggling, um, and you're someone like me who refuses to go to therapy, <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> reach out to someone in your inner circle, let them know you're struggling, have conversations, talking through some of this stuff is the only way you're going to get through it because it is damn near impossible to get through it alone. And so we just wanted to, to know all of you to know that we're thinking of you uh, as you're getting through um, some really difficult times this country is facing um, around the world. People are suffering just tremendous loss at yeah. the moment. And um, just know that there are people out there who care and love for you, even if you don't know it or you don't know them. So, so please take this seriously. Take a minute. Listen, this is probably one of our most important episodes we've ever, we've ever had in the almost five years that we've been doing this. Um, I know you're going to get something out of this without question. I think you're going to love this conversation we had with Heather. Yeah. Enjoy it. Heather Lee is finally here. So excited. Hi, Heather. This finally happened. Yes. We say finally, because honestly, I think it maybe took about eight months and we just had maybe a little bit longer. We all three had different things going on. And uh, whenever you would reach out and try and look for a, a slot, like we were jam packed in that month. So we found this little nugget of time and here you are. And we're very excited about this. All three of us are in different locations, as you can tell. Um, but Heather and I are actually in the same city. So she's in Winter Garden but just on the other side, about five minutes that way, if I could throw a stone. So this that is cool. Way. That, way. <laughs> that, that, that way for me, yes. Uh, and, and also, you haven't met Brant, right? This is the first time you guys are meeting, right? It is the first time that I have met Brant online, although I have been following you. So I'm familiar with the voice, but it's, it's good to see it all together. Well, I will disappoint for sure. So let's get this thing started. <laughs> yeah. He's going with a sexy voice. That's how you can tell the difference between us when we're on here. Well, this is, this is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, and obviously we, we do a how to podcast and sometimes they're fun and exciting episodes. And sometimes we're really helping people with whatever obstacles uh, that they might be having. If we can throw out a few best practices, this one, you know, I think it's going to be really, really uh, eye-opening for some people that are going through perhaps something uh, like the three of us have gone through. And so to have a topic like how to deal with unexpected loss, um, I think people's ears are probably going to perk up in, in a lot of ways. So, you know, maybe before we even jump right into what is your first thought on this, maybe set the stage a little bit as to why we even selected this topic. You know, I thought it'd be best coming from you a little. Sure. Well, I mean, you and I were sitting together over lunch and getting to know each other way back when I was doing a story on you for The Local, um, which is the magazine that I work for. But um, we were getting to know each other and I was sharing a little bit about my story, which is um, four years ago, uh, just two weeks ago. Um, it was the four year anniversary, anniversary of my husband's suicide. And I was sharing with you that story and the process of of moving through that grief, which, um, and then how that brought me to Winter Garden in a new job. And we just really kind of connected over that. And, you know, I shared some, you know, just some real personal things. And you were like, that would be an amazing topic because even though not everybody understands what it would, 
what suicide loss would look like. We have at one point in our lives, everyone is going to experience loss and it will be and it'll be tragic and unexpected in a variety of ways. But I think for me, I didn't have a resource um, or anybody that had walked through something like this. And so Matthew was literally the first person that I ever loved who died. So yeah, it was really, really challenging. So for me, the uh, opportunity to give action steps, right? Like these, this is what worked for me. I'm not a counselor, you know, I'm not a trained professional, but these things, they, they worked for me and hopefully it will help somebody else. Yeah. And, and to be fair, uh, we talked a lot of, a, a lot of things. We talked about a lot of cool stuff during that, that lunch. Um, and even afterwards, I, I know I sort of pitched that would be great, but you said, listen, here's four, five, six things that, that I could talk about. And I already knew in my head, just from your background, you can dip into a lot of different rooms. Um, but, you know, Brian and I've been doing this podcast now, I think almost five years, and we'd never talked about something like this. I think we've brought up some of the stories from our own background, but to talk about specifically suicide or dealing with loss had just never come up before. So, you know, I, I think, you know, at some point we, we might want to come back to the well and talk to you about some of those other things, but I'm so grateful. I know both of us are that you've decided to spin a little bit of that story and some of the things that you learned on how to deal with it. Um, I, I will tell you most of the people on our show aren't experts. I mean, that's, that's part of the fun. Every once in a while we get lucky and, and there might be somebody that that's the wheelhouse and that's all they play in professionally. But we just have happen to have uh, really good, smart people around us who are willing to go, Hey, this worked for me. And if it could work for you, then, then run with it. So first off, just sort of thanks for even spending the time with us on such a a difficult subject. So I know we're going to get into this. I know we've got a lot of cool stuff that we can talk about, um, but, but let's sort of go right down the middle of the plate with our format. What, what is your first thought that rocks Heather on how to deal with unexpected loss? It's really very, it's very straightforward, but it's therapy, therapy, therapy. You cannot get through this alone. And it's so, there's so much um, stigma around the idea of needing help, but when you're navigating loss, in my in my situation, suicide loss, there was so much to impact. I just I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that by myself, and I wouldn't be doing myself justice. Um, and so the process it was lit, almost the first thing that I did. Um, within a couple of weeks, the pastor from my church had reached out, and he's like, "You need to talk to Carol." And it was the first phone call. It was the very first step that I made outside of all the phone calls and things like you have to do when you're dealing with death. But it was it was Carol. And I got in with her um, within the first month of his death. And it has, I mean, changed my life. But it really allowed me, she helped give me the space and the clarity to be able to feel my grief, which... Mm. I think is um, you think that it's overwhelming. I mean, it's overwhelming. Your body goes into shock. You don't really know what's going on, but it's you want that feeling to go away, right? You're, it's so painful and it's so heavy that our natural instinct is to just push it, push it aside. Like we're not, we're not going to deal with it. But it's so important not to suppress those feelings and to give yourself a safe space with somebody who can facilitate that for you. That isn't 
so closely married to your situation that they're going to be blinded and they can mm. just kind of guide you and allow you to to cry to scream to be mad to whatever feelings come up and just allow that to happen so therapy has been a lifeline um i still talk to carol to this day it's been four mm. years now but she is just really um she's become a great friend um and a, but a great resource but it really was, I think it's the most important thing. Don't try to do it alone. And family and friends will be helpful. They're going to, people are going to come around. They're going to envelop you in all kinds of love. And their intentions are going to be really true. But it doesn't mean you, I don't think that it, for me, I wasn't able to really let down those walls. You know, yeah. because everybody's worried about you. They're, oh, they want to, they want to put handle you with kid gloves, kind of, you know, they want to soften it around you. And sometimes in the grieving process, you don't need that. You Sometimes you need the heart stick in the gut and, you know, to be able to really let out that rawness. Yeah. You know, it's, I guess there could, there could be people in your inner circle, people that you depend on that could act as a pseudo therapist that you could, you know, put your head on their shoulder, maybe just uh, not have them try and solve anything, but just, you know, let them be the person that you can vent to. But, you know, I'm a huge fan of people that can go to a therapist that will spend the time and the energy and the effort and, and the money um, because it's so critical. And with you talking about suicide, um, I can't imagine anybody going through something and not sharing it. Um, but, but I am going to throw it over to Brant because, um, and I don't think I'm telling lies out of school here because Brant has shared part of his story, but also on the show that, you know, he compartmentalizes pretty good. Like he, I, I don't know, Brant, I've never asked you about your thoughts on a therapist, but I've never heard those, those words come out of your mouth as something that you would do. So, you know, maybe share a little bit of your story just for some context, but um, I'm really interested in you now sort of being the uh, the flip side of the coin with what, what Heather was just saying around therapy. Yeah, it's not that I'm against therapy. Um, I think that therapy works wonders for different people. <laughs> Those different people just aren't me. Um, yeah. and so, and, and I've had this conversation with many people who have had very successful experiences with therapy. Um, I don't see the point of it personally. Um, I understand the logic behind it, Heather, as to why it, and, and some people just need to talk through their feelings. That is not me. <laughs> I do not need to talk through my feelings. Um, I lost my son, uh, two years ago. Um, he had battled cancer for nine years and when COVID hit, he, succumbed to, to a combination of, of COVID and, uh, just his body being worn and battered from nine years of fighting. Um, I have not seen a therapist. Um, I've been told 8,376 times that I should go to therapy. Um, but that's not my path. <laughs> um, so I've had to find my own way to maybe get the same, uh, some of the same help, mm -hmm. but it's been through books, through reading, through discussions okay. with friends, um, through a variety of things that, that have helped me move forward. Um, I am not somebody who does well with kid gloves. I want to end up punching you in the face if you treat me that way. <laughs> right. Um, and so it's, it's been a different journey for me. It's, yeah, time is the only thing that really 
uh, allows us to move forward. I think, um, you just have to get some separation from all of that. And hopefully with therapy or whatever you're trying, you get enough distance, um, you have enough help in whatever way you need help that you don't make a bunch of stupid decisions before you've got enough distance between you. That makes it a little bit easier to deal with the loss. Um, but that's, you know, I, I think everybody's journey is different. I really do. And, and again, I am not against therapy. I just know for me, I would be a nightmare in therapy because I would question every single thing they say to me. And I would just be, I'd end up, I'd end up putting them through therapy and nobody wants that Heather. (laughs) I would ask though, you obviously had people though in your life that you really felt like you could trust with your feelings. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, Heather, I, I, I do, I do. You know, Jim is, is one of the closest people in my life and he has been nothing but supportive and he knows when I'm ready to talk, you know, he'll listen. Um, and, and he'll, you know, he's, he's gone through loss, you know, he lost his father, um, Mm -hmm. not too long ago. And so, you know, we, we are obviously always there for each other. I've got other people in my inner circle who, who are always there, but I'm just not that guy. I'm not the guy who talks about his feelings. Um, which is funny because that's all I do for a living is talk to people about talking about your feelings, <laughs> but, but exactly, it, exactly. it's, it's, it is a, uh, uh, I'm either the king of hypocrites or, um, just, uh, it's, it's one of those things that I know what works for me sure. to be able to manage my emotions and, yeah. and I'm in the business of managing my emotions <laughs> and, and, um, it's taken some maturity on my part, but it is something that, I've been pretty silent about the whole experience. Um, mm. And that, that has led to, to both good and bad things, I think, in the long run. I think, you know, if, if I think about, um, you know, again, with my father, and I think most people who are going to outlive their parents, um, yes, that's a loss. And if, if it's somebody who's never, ever lost anybody in their life, that first one is brutal. And not that it gets easier, it's just the first one's always the hardest. I think in losing a child or losing a spouse or anybody to suicide, that's when I would say, you know, therapy almost kicks in. And I appreciate what you're saying, Brant, and I know you enough that you you do have the ability um, to compartmentalize where you can go, you know what, work is what I need to do. Because one, you're a workaholic, but two that's where you get a lot of joy in your life. And so you can, I don't want to say bury those things, but you do have a couple people that are in that inner circle. It will just never get out there in the public domain. Um, but, but I would still say those that are dealing, especially the loss of a child, man, I feel like you, you would have to talk to someone and I'm talking, you know, I've got three kids. I can't even imagine what that's like, but if that were to happen, I, I would think I'd want to share it with somebody on a professional level, but bringing it back to, to Heather, um, you know, we didn't want to call this how to deal with suicide, right. you know, cause I think people are going to deal with loss, um, you know, it, relative to however, you know, this other person, this human is close to you. But when it comes to suicide, it's just, it's too tough to try and do on your own is what I would think. And I'm so glad that you are at least saying that. I think that's such a big, huge deal because there's so many questions that come with that. Why, you know, without going through all those, I mean, you can, you can speak for yourself, but that's when you really need someone who 
has studied this understands this to be able to help maybe even explain it if there's a big question mark as to how how somebody could leave you like this right yeah that um there is and i think you know brant you brought up a, a part about like somebody telling you and i think um in therapy like that they would tell you things i think my experience prior to carol i was anti-therapy right like i was not but this situation was so so raw for me sure. that i was like i know i needed i needed help um but Oh, I forgot. Lost my train of thought there. Remind okay, me what I was. Right. <laughs> you know, I think the other thing specifically when it comes to suicide is, um, it, you know, it, it, it's a, I'm just, uh, Heather, I'm just going to say it like I do. And I'm, I'm already apologizing. Uh, okay. Uh, it's a very selfish act. Um, and, and it's something that it leaves the people who, they've left behind with questions because it was a choice that they made and, and not something that took them from us that we had no control over. Um, that being said, um, the mental health crisis in this country, uh, you know, is, is 10 times worse, I think, than we, than we know it is, which is mm-hmm. already horrendous. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to, get your brain wrapped around mental illness. Um, and, and I don't know your particular situation, but I, I, I just have to believe that anyone in that scenario has to be dealing with a level of difficult ways of processing, whatever it, may, it might not be mental illness, but they are struggling really, really a, a lot with life. And, um, you, I think the tendency for those left behind, especially the closest people left behind is that they feel like they could have done something more, or there was something that they, and that's where you end up beating yourself up. Um, and where I think therapy is a different, it's a different approach for me. If I was in that scenario, I can totally understand how to process thoughts of blaming yourself or, you know, all the things that come along with that because that's something you feel like in your deepest soul of souls, maybe you could have done something that might have helped, but who knows, but you, it's a difficult question to tackle. Whereas, you know, something with cancer or, or things that just come and and you have no say over, um, it's different. And I think that's the difference for me. There's nothing that anyone can say to me. That's going to change anything. (laughs) Um, because I logically understand what happened. I don't like it, but I logically understand it. Um, it's a battle between me and God is how I, where I'm at with it. Um, and, and I can bitch and moan and curse him out and everything I want to do. And he's big enough to handle that. But at the end of the day, our relationship is not great. Um, and, and, and that's because there are certain things that I'm just never going to understand. And, sure. and I won't until I do. And then what's the point? <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I just, I feel for you because I understand that, I, you know, I've pastoring a church for six years. We've, I've had more than my fair share of battling suicide. Um, and there, it, it's just one of the most difficult, difficult scenarios to face because there's so many questions left behind that um, often lead us feeling less than, which is its own battle in itself. 
It is. It really is. The, there's so much to unpack with it and yeah. to be able to talk that through. Again, I mean, with the suicide, the, you know, there really aren't, there are never going to be answers. And so here I am four years later, you know, and um, to celebrate the anniversary, but the, the post that I made on that day, the, it was like I was reliving it all over again, but it was, yeah. I will always wish that I knew how he was feeling so that I possibly could have gotten him some help, yeah. but I didn't you know, there just wasn't anything. And so for that moment, there might, when your rational brain goes away yes. and you're caught up in the emotion of the anniversary or whatever happened, um, you know, I know that it was his choice and, but it just breaks my heart, right? It just breaks my heart that nobody and we, none of us knew, none of us knew how he was suffering. And so mm -hmm. to go back to the mental health crisis, the reason that I am so open about talking about Matthew's suicide and the subject of it is that there's so much shame around it yeah. and people hide it. Like Matthew was four generations. He was the fourth generation in his family, direct male to, to choose suicide, an mm -hmm. uncle, a grandfather and a grandfather. Not once in our 15 years together did anybody in that family talk about it. They didn't even mention, never mentioned it. And so, you know, had I known, it still may not have changed the outcome, but generational suicide is a thing. Yeah. Generational mental health is a thing. So I think it's really important to have the hard conversations and to diminish any stigmas that are around it so that more people do reach out, whether maybe it's not a therapist, it could be their pastor, it could be their friend, but they to find a resource that says, Oh my God, I'm hurting and something's not right here. What do I do? We, um, we'll be right back after this message. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold indifference. All that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Okay, so two out of three people uh, believe in therapy, which is great. <laughs> May that be ever in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What what is uh, that was that was very very helpful and uh, and again I I'm with both of you guys like I can see both sides and maybe it's just different degrees of when do you go into therapy some people just do it for just their state of mind on day to day whatever their stress is but we are talking about unexpected loss loss of people humans in our life. Um, and first one coming out of the gate was therapy, therapy, therapy. Heather, what is your second thought that rocks? Second, move your body. Exercise hmm. is so important because an, an unexpected loss and grief manifests itself. It's not just a mental game. Your body processes it too. It feels it. 
And if you shut down what, you know, if you shut down and you lay in bed all day and um, it doesn't allow it to, to process, to move through. For a long time in the very beginning, it was after calling and getting a therapist, the next thing I did was hire a personal trainer. <laughs> like I knew, like that was the only thing that was going to get me out of bed. And I would, for the first couple of months, that was, I would go, I would work out, I'd come home and I'd crawl back into bed. Right. Mm -hmm. But that was the one thing that I committed to myself, move your body. Some people just need to go out and they can do that on their own. Um, you know, I obviously could have gone to the gym on my own, but for me, the accountability partner of hiring a trainer, um, and doing something that was challenging physically, that was going to push me outside of that comfort zone is really what I was looking for. Um, there was a fantastic book that I read during this process that was called the body keeps the score. And it really talked about how trauma and grief lives in your body. And so I had this unique experience a um, couple of months into into the grieving process where I was at the gym and I was on the treadmill and I was running and it literally started sobbing like I'm just running running I've got the music going everything's great and then all of a sudden my body started trembling I was sobbing collapsed mm -hmm. off of it had to get off the treadmill there are people around me thinking I'm what is wrong with this girl but it was this uncontrollable response and it happened several times until I um, actually unpacked that it was that was the grief. And so there's some the adrenaline, the endorphins that come out of exercise that make us happy are the same things that are going to move that grief through your body. And so it's so important as you're with any kind of unexpected loss, commit to doing that for yourself, because it really it's not just a mental game. It's a physical game, too. I was not expecting that would be a that that would be something. I just assumed we'd be talking about more on the mental side, but it makes total sense. And this this is not um, at all even close to being the same. But I do remember the first time when I came out of corporate America, and you become an entrepreneur, or at least when when you're self employed, when you're sitting at home, it was very easy to sleep in. You know, your body clock now shifts about three hours. You sleep in. You stay up late. You wind up not, uh, you know, getting dressed or brushing your teeth. You just work in whatever shorts and T-shirt and, you know, and, and I could tell my productivity was way down. It was fun to work for yourself, but um, I had to I had to think, you know, it's, I got to get up, take a shower, put on my big boy pants, even though I'm going 10 feet to go to the go to the office. Um, all of that was important. And then also to get out and do something in the daylight and go see other people. So I, I can see, you know, if, if there's at all a leap that you can make there, I think if you're dealing with an unexpected loss to not allow yourself to, you know, just sort of lay down in that comatose position and, and get lazy, if you don't get out there, um, then, then I could see that it would atrophy for sure, fit physically, but also mentally. Mentally, you may already be there, but you don't now want to just 100% put yourself in a position where you can't function, you can't get anything done. So um, again, I have nothing to compare it to other than, you know, the, the business world, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Brant, what do you think? I mean, again, you, you've dealt with something that's a little bit uh, yeah. much harder than what I've dealt with for sure. A hundred percent agree. I wish I would have done it <laughs> in that way. Um, it would have saved me about 40 pounds that I needed to shed. Um, but it's, um, you know, I think beyond the sort of all the chemical proof that when you work out, 
um, it's, it's, it, it helps rewire some parts of your brain to be able to cope with these things. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things I've learned in the last few years is, you know, our, our need for connection, um, is, is paramount, right? It's the number one shared value among all people. And what I've really learned is that the two most powerful forms of connection are one through our values, through the things we, we care most about, um, but the others through suffering. And after experiencing something so traumatic, um, it's, it is so easy to connect through suffering. Um, it doesn't start off that way, but people want to help and relate. And so they start to share stories of suffering, right? And so you start to connect with those stories and you start to connect with suffering. And it's such a powerful, believe it or not, comforting in some ways connection that you can get lost down that rabbit hole. And before you turn around, it's a year or 18 months in my case. And, and it was just, you know, you, you get lost in the suffering. And, and I think what people, at least in, in what we have learned in the, in the work that we do with values, when it comes to connection, they really want to connect with, with people, with purpose and with productivity. And so when you schedule something like, uh, working out with a trainer, you're connecting with a person, you're connecting with productivity. So if nothing else, you can say that you were productive today in this area of your life. Um, and hopefully you are finding a way to connect to purpose and, and that impact that you might have on the trainer or the impact that you can have on the environment or whatever that is, where this is part of your day. If you can find healthy ways to connect in those three areas, um, it certainly makes it easier to cope through such trauma. Heather, when, when you, um, lost your husband, how much time had separated between that? And when you did get a personal trainer, was it pretty quick or was there, was there a break in time there? Uh, no, it was actually really very quick. I would admit, I think within the first month, you know, there okay. were so many things, that, the details, which could be a whole nother episode, like what people don't realize that, that wrapping up somebody's life process yeah. is a whole nother animal. So that yeah. really takes, that really took a lot of time, you know? Um, but as soon as I had the people left the house, <laughs> you know, and I had the, the house was back to myself. It was like, what is the decision that I can make for myself? What is yeah. the one thing that I can do? And for me, I'm like, okay, we went to the gym. I, it was, to me, it just was exercise has always been, um, a place for me to like when I've gone off course, it's always my course correction point, like mm. to come back to myself. Um, but that was, I'm like, okay, I can do this. This is, this, this something, it's a decision for me. I know that it'll be good for me. It'll help keep the grief weight off, you know, and I can, if, even if it's one hour, one hour, you know, three times a week. And then I was working out on my own, but it was a really quick decision and it was intuitive actually. Like I didn't yeah. read a book and say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I just went, Oh yeah, no, you know, counselor move my body. Yeah. But yeah. for me, the, you know, even though that was intuitive and I just went ahead and did it again, the experience of the, the, the trauma moving through, through my body. Um, even I was in a spin class last year and, you know, thinking, Hey, I'm doing really good in my life. And that grief sneaks up, had the same physical response. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's still there. Your body still holds on to, yeah. to sure. that trauma. Um, so I'll be working it out probably forever, but, um, yeah, exercise was a, a immediate decision. 
But for you, I think, uh, and you were making a point that it was always a part of your life. And if that's sort of home base for you, and that's a, 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 you know, that's something that just intuitively is just a part of what you do day to day, there might be some people that are listening that one either haven't yet dealt with loss, but it might be when, when it ultimately happens to them and we're all going to go through some sort of trauma. So let's just say somebody in your life is lost. You know, it might be that they're reading a book or listening to this episode and going, okay, I need to, I get to get my butt in gear and doing something with moving my body. And, and perhaps somebody like myself, I've never really exercised. I don't, it's just not fun for me, but, and I don't obviously want something traumatic to be the reason why I do, but there are some people that probably don't have um, exercise at all as a part of their life. And maybe this is, this is the thing where it, it might be a catalyst for them to say, I, I need to start doing something and, and they might actually enjoy it and they might actually feel, you know, as, as healthier as you probably can when you're dealing uh, with the loss of someone. So, I mean, I, yes, it would be cool if it was a part of it and you didn't lose that. And you actually, by hiring somebody helped you kind of perpetuate it and keep it going. So again, it's a part of your life, but there might be people that are like, yeah, that, you know, moving my body is not my, my jam, but it might be worth it to one, get started, or don't forget about this awesome thought that you just gave because that the, the physical is just as important. What I hear you both saying is uh, as the mental. So, and like you said, Brant, there's stats to prove it. There are a lot of statistics in, in, in other books and things that I've read later on. I mean, it really does. I'm not the only person that says dealing with grief and exercise, right? For me, it was intuitive because it, uh, even though, you know, on and off the treadmill my whole life, but this, you know, so I'm not always, you know, on that, that path. But um, even if it's, if you're somebody that doesn't exercise, I'm just speaking to the, the to the power of um, allowing your body to process whatever grief you're going through. And so if for you, and if you're not, I'm not going to join it, if you're not a gym person, or that's so far out of your comfort zone, go for a walk, right? Start around yeah. the block, and then take it a little further and take it a little further. Um, pets are a great way um, because they force you to go outside. You know, you had to walk the dog. Like you can yeah. not, not take care of a lot of things, but you have to go walk the dog, no matter how much you're grieving. So it start with start with a walk, you know, or, yeah. or however moving your body. Um, if it's foreign to you, do something easy. But being outside, um, and and again, as Brant you mentioned earlier, like you. It, it changes a little bit the energy and it helps you connect more with a purpose and a direction. And I guess ordering Ozempic shots isn't the answer. That doesn't work, right? It's not the same. Grief is not a weight loss program. <laughs> it's cheaper than therapy, right? That's what it is. Get out for a walk. It's way cheaper than therapy. <laughs> it's, are her thoughts getting cheaper as we go down? Is that I'm what you're just, saying? I'm <laughs> just saying it's an alternative. That's all I'm saying. We're waiting for the little to no cost thought. That's the last one. All right. Well, that's the next one. So. Yes. Well, well, we may as well make that the segue, Heather. What is your third and final thought that rocks? Uh, be selfish. Mm. Be selfish. So yes. here's yeah. the thing, right? This is your opportunity. Grief is your opportunity to turn inward and kind of rethink what things are important um, to you and in your life. And I would, it's, you can channel, channel grief into action and it, allow it to be an opportunity for self-growth. So if you have, you know, for me, um, I wanted to go explore the world, 
right? Like I, okay, I have this window. I worked for myself. I was going to go spend six months with my friend in Nepal. But when Matthew passed three months later, it was COVID. So I didn't get to go do mm. that. So instead I painted, repainted all the walls in my house and all that fun stuff. But um, when the world did open up again, it was the first thing I Googled. It's, I was looking for a trip. I wanted to go right away and I wanted it to be something I had never done before. I wanted to push myself outside of my comfort zone. So I Googled, right, um, hiking trips, October 2021. Right. And I came up with one response, one, one trip. And it was to the Dolomites in Italy. And I booked it. I never mind. I had never hiked, never <laughs> camped, never. I don't even know why this, you know, showed up mm -hmm. in, in my brain. But it was it was I knew it was going to be physically challenging. I knew it was going to be mentally challenging. And that's what I wanted. Right. And so be selfish. This is your opportunity to if you have always wanted to take piano lessons, do that for yourself, right? This is, you know, your grief. Um, and this is an opportunity for you to say, okay, like let's, it's not about that person anymore. So in my case, it's not taking the narrative away from Matthew, not, not diminishing his memory at all, mm -hmm. but being able to say, no, you know what, what, what can I do for me? What can I do for Heather? This is how can I move forward? And you could do something that scares you, thrills you, excites you, or educates you, right? If you want to yeah. learn the piano or um, learn a foreign language, just do something that is the its sole purpose is just something that you want. It's not because that person that passed, it was their favorite thing. It can't be about them. It just needs to be about you. And yeah. Um, yeah, it, you just, it's amazing that, you know, the strength that you find in yourself walking through grief as time goes by. But when you take the opportunity to be selfish and try something new and invest in yourself, um, when you come out the other side, and I say that loosely because we never really do, we yeah. move through grief, we don't get over something, um, that, but you become stronger. Right. You find you find this this strength that you inside that you never knew was possible. I absolutely love this thought. And I'm afraid we're going to have a counterpoint from Miranda <laughs> because this is this is something else you're not going to know, Heather, unless you listen to the show a lot. Brad hasn't been on a vacation and gone anywhere in like 35 years. <laughs> so I, I'm i sure, Brad, you, you can talk about being selfish. I mean, I would love to explore as to those things that you did and at least did for yourself. But the whole time that Heather's talking, I'm going, I don't see Brienne doing this. I don't know. Is it a counterpoint or are you like, nah, it's a, it's a different degree. Uh, so what I'm going to say is uh, I love the, I love the idea. I think um, defining what we mean by selfish is really important because my idea of selfish is I'm going to do what I want. That's, mm -hmm. that's not healthy. Okay. All, that's not healthy all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and I was being selfish, but part of my selfishness was when, when you're feeling so much hurt, um, the last thing you want to do is cause anybody else hurt, mm -hmm. right? Cause you're, you're in it. And so you say yes to things sometimes that you probably shouldn't, but you're afraid of hurting somebody. And so the idea is there's a lot of this is crazy, but there's a lot of selfless 
ness that happens after loss because you don't want to pass that hurt along. And so, you know, you're saying yes to things you're trying to, well, you're making excuses as to why you've said yes to something that you really probably should have been selfish and just said no to. Um, but because of this idea of your, when you're in the middle of it, when you're standing in the middle of hurt, um, you are uber sensitive to hurt in everyone else, right? Because you are literally connecting through suffering. And so you are trying to appease other people's suffering rather than take care of your own. And I think that's one of the really tricky parts of walking through grief is that it's so much easier to deal with other people's shit than to deal with your own. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's part of being selfish is that you've got to get your own stuff cleared first before you're going to be anywhere near effective at helping anybody else. Mm. Yeah. I, I believe, I believe that I don't, and I don't think we're off course. It, no. the, the, I think we actually really agree. And the totally. terminology is a little bit, is different, selfish, selfless. But, um, I, my experience though is a little bit different. I really learned how to say no, mm. like there was an mm. opportunity where, uh, you know, and again, maybe it's because I, the, it was so new to me walking, you know, again, he was the first person that ever passed. So, yeah. but I really was able to say, no, that doesn't serve me right now. And people gave me a pass. They, they didn't pressure me to do things yes. when mm -hmm. I said no, because they, they just thought, oh, well, she's just grieving or, or she'll yeah. change her mind or do whatever, but they were willing to look, step aside. And so I was really able to only say yes to the things that really excited me. Well, maybe this is where therapy really helped you, Heather, because, <laughs> because when you're not dealing um, with the grief, you're yeah. looking you're looking for distractions, yeah. and and saying yes to things sometimes are are just saying yes to distractions because it, it lets you escape from dealing with your own stuff. And that's, I think that's the dangerous part of this and why listen to me, I'm making a case for therapy, why you should probably <laughs> go to therapy so that distractions are not counterproductive. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a lot of what many of us who are resistant to any idea of, of therapy, um, we are looking constantly for distractions to keep us, to keep our minds occupied and away from the stuff that hurts. Mm. Do, do you think Heather is part of the wrap up on this? I mean, if you were selfish, at least in the way that you're describing it, and, and I love that. I think that escapism, that immersing yourself or learning something new um, helped you deal with it. But now I think you've become selfless because you are giving to other people. Part of it in your own job is putting a white hot spotlight on other people, shining on their strengths or uh, maybe bringing some of their their plight to the masses. Um, and I've even heard you now a little bit more. Maybe it's because I remember the, the anniversary post that you put out, but you're able to talk about this more. The, you know, obviously, Brant, you were saying, you know, as more time has gone by, all things sort of, I, I wouldn't say completely get healed, but they certainly get easier over time for sure. As you've now gone through this four-year uh, journey, 
do you find that your selflessness now has allowed you to talk about it on forums like this, or you can write about it, or you're probably, and I don't know, I haven't talked to you about this before. Are you having more conversations with people who in fact have dealt with this and they're reaching out to, to, to get your ear, your thoughts, your best practices? Um, and you know, maybe it started off as self, you know, selfish, but don't you think it sort of led a little bit into nobody likes to say you're selfless. You mean that, you know, and, and I don't want to put it in a sort of a, a haughty way, but I just think that you are doing that now. Do you find yourself moving into that space? I do. I, you know, maybe not, per, it's not necessarily purposeful, but um, again, because, um, you know, had I known more about Matthew's history, family history, um, you know, maybe I would have been clued in to some other, I might have seen more signs. And again, I may not have. So I, I mm-hmm. you know, I, there's, there's a very real possibility that I never would have been able to affect any change here. But by sharing Matthew's story, even, you know, for, I did it in the, in the magazine a couple of times, people have reached out and they're like, and they're so blown away by my transparency about it. And they're like, oh, this is in our family and we don't, we don't talk about it. I've never told anybody about mm-hmm. this before my niece or my daughter or whoever um, tried to commit suicide or successfully you know, died by suicide. Um, and so people do reach out or, um, I, you know, and by sharing Matthew's story on the anniversary during Suicide Awareness Month and on the anniversary of his death, I always get somebody that reaches out and says, oh, you know, my husband, something's not right. What what can we do? And, and again, I tell it, I'm not a therapist. I'm only telling you what my experience is. So, um, but I do, if I can save one, by sharing his story, if I can affect and, or improve or even save one single life, then, you know, my experience, I can't even say like he didn't die in vain because, you know, that's a whole different whole different mess. Um, but my experience won't be in vain, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. Having walked through this and who I am now and how I've been reshaped by, by his suicide and the grief that came around it, um, who I am now and my ability to be able to connect, like you said, Brant, with other people. Um, I'm, I, hopefully I can make a positive impact. Yeah. This is awesome. I thought we'd wind up having a group hug here at the very end for sure. Um, you know, two things. One, I'll, I'll make sure that um, the book that you recommended, Heather, uh, The Body Keeps a Score, will be in the show notes. But also, you know, we would be remiss not to at least put the National Suicide Hotline number on there for those that might be struggling at all or thinking about this. We'll have that in the show notes. Um, you know, this was great. I, you know, it's again, it's something that we haven't had a chance to talk about. And I think it's, uh, you know, Brant said it earlier, it's very brave for you to be on here and, and share that story. Brant has shared, you know, at different times his story as well with the son, Theo. Um, and, and I think more people need to be able to hear some of that, whether they go out of their way to get a therapist or will invest in if they're all about you know, self-development, personal development, reading books, talking to somebody, listening to a podcast. Sometimes this might be the one thing that somebody really needed to hear um, to just help them deal with with uh, losing someone. Um, Heather, if people want to learn a little bit more about you and uh, and what you do at the local or with your agency, where where should we send people? 
So you can reach, I mean, obviously, um, they can reach me personally if they're interested in the story. Um, wow. I'm on okay. Facebook and Instagram at Heather Ann Lee, A-N-N-E-L-E-E. Um, or they can reach out through the magazine if they're curious about that or they want to see the stories or connect with me professionally. Um, and that is, um, you again, socially on both F- Facebook and Instagram. It's at the local WG is, is the handle there. So um, any one of those Yep, they can reach out personally or professionally. Perfect. The local WG stand for Winter Garden brand. Just in case you're wondering. Yes. Well, you're awesome. You're such a rock star. And uh, like I said, I know you had like four or five other things we could talk about, but I'm so glad that we started with this one for sure. And um, we will just keep an eye on your journey. And I hope this really did help a lot of people that that, that are listening and, and struggling at all. And that's what we're here to do. You know, that, that thoughts at rock, we're just trying to help people out. And sometimes we're busting a gut laughing. And sometimes it's a little bit more of a, a sombering realization that people are struggling. So if we can be that, that light for them, game on. We're happy for it. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us, Heather. We truly appreciate it. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to share my story and to connect. And Brant, specifically, thank you for sharing your story. You know, our grief journeys are different mm-hmm. um, and we're a little different and I'm a little further out in my walk. But um, it'd be interesting to talk to you a little bit, too, about to me that that second year syndrome. Right. It's totally. so much more difficult than the first. And I don't think a lot of people talk about that. But thank Agreed. you for for sharing about Theo and. Jim, always, and I always enjoy you, and we definitely have lunch again in our future. For sure. Immediate future. We'll schedule something today. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are, and grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. That's That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock on! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.